House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. Houseofrun at gmail.com is our email address. Special shout out to those of you listening on Spotify because that means you figured <laughs> out how to find us on Spotify. Congrats! Yeah, uh, I mean, that was on me, uh, but I don't know what happened, but it got fixed and I reached out to them, but and I don't know if they fixed it or if it just happened, but it's done. It's on Spotify, it's on Stitcher. I added it to Google Podcasts, even though I didn't know that it was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see a platform that it's not on, let me know. It's also on our website. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it should be good. Well, we got a tweet from, I want to say it's from, yeah, from from Alicia, I think, who said uh, it didn't update, it updated late, and then she had to refollow on Spotify, because it yeah. disappeared. So that's been fixed? So I think that's what it was. I think it's, it's possible you'll have to refollow on Spotify. Granted, if you could only listen on Spotify, you're not hearing this right now, because maybe you didn't refollow, mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's a weird snaking in itself i don't know if that's accurate but yeah it seemed like it because we used to go from a different hosting source and then we did a new one it like kind of had two different versions Mm -hmm. and then they got rid of the one and so now it's there but i don't know if yeah if you were subscribed beforehand if you're still subscribed now or if you have to resubscribe i don't know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we wanted to make this as hard as possible yes for everybody it's like the first day of practice, if the coach said, all right, all out mile time trial followed by hills, because I wanted to take this thing that wasn't going to be popular to begin with and then make people less interested in it. That's what we're trying to do here with the pod. Yes, exactly. A lot of yeah. We want to make sure you're dedicated. <laughs> like if you're not willing to put in the time and the frustration, then we don't want you listening. People love that. In this technological era where you can get everything at the tap of your iPhone, you want to jump through a lot of steps. We have some great emails that we're going to get to at the end. But we're going to talk Milrose mostly Yeah, on the show. We're going to preview it. For you, what's the biggest thing you want to find out? Yeah, it's a thing Mo, a thing mo in the mile for sure. Um, it's just because we know, obviously, she's the best 800-meter runner in the world. She's probably one of the three best 400-meter runners in the world. Um. And it's normally you can't extend the four eight fifteen. Like you're either good at the four eight, which is kind of rare anyway, or you're good at the eight fifteen. Yeah, which is much more common. Um, but we saw her, you know, kind of jog against a you know a, a JV squad mm-hmm. earlier, and that that didn't really tell us anything because yeah, it was a JV squad, and she's she could do that in her sleep. But now she's in a loaded mile uh, with you know plenty of women who who should be able to. Uh, beat her or at least push her um so i'm kind of curious i'm just curious what her upside is because if she's like in the mix with like klosterhofen and purrier and stuff like that then it's like does she consider the 815 because the 48 seems to be hated (laughs) by governing bodies Uh, i don't know but like i'm just kind of curious to see like what she can do you said this sort of range isn't done and i'm going to push back on that and say have you ever seen a middle school field day it's a, it's a fair point. 
It's really good. Um, she's going to get all sorts of patches and yes. medals and, and you know all around things happening at the end, which she deserves. She's taking the field day approach to pro track. And if you've been paying attention to Thing Mo's career for a while, I remember AAUs one year. She ran the two, four, eight. 15 and i think she she won three of them and got second in the other one i believe and i think the only one she lost was the 200 people can correct me if i'm wrong but you're watching that and you're saying all right well this is obviously incredible but eventually she's gonna have to pick a lane she's yes or even lanes she's not gonna she's not gonna be able to stay competitive at at all four events and obviously you think well it's going to end up being one. Now, we know for a fact she's already world-class in two. Nobody yes. can dispute that it's four and eight. I don't think anybody's going to make the leap and be like, with 200, 200 is there. But the 1,500 is interesting because on one hand, you're thinking, all right, she's only run 437, but throw that result out. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah, it was a job. She's been more speed-based, which we know. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, this is a tough field to go against. You have – the top four women from the U.S. Olympic trials in there. You have Klosterhofen and Jessica Hall, who have both run well under sub four. You have last year's NCAA outdoor champion in the 1500. You have the NCAA mile champion in there. Oh, Josette Norris is in there. She's also run under four. This is really good. It's not Faith Kipiegon, Laura Mir, Safan Hassan good. No, but and I wouldn't want her is... to jump into that necessarily either. This is the right one to jump into. I mean, I would want her to jump well, into Well, yeah, of course. Anything, but like, this but... is. I think this is a good step. You know, because it's a bunch like she, it, you know, worst case, she's probably like middle of the pack. But if she finishes middle of the pack, it's a big result. So basically what, what I'm saying is you're inclined to think, all right, this isn't her main event. She hasn't really touched this distance at all in serious competition. She's going to have a tough time. Eleanor Perrier ran, what, 416 two years ago at the yeah. Rose Games. It's going to be quick, we assume. This is going to be tough. But then you realize she's run 155 for the 800. And if, yeah. and, and if you just take that fact, if anybody else came into this race with a 155, 800-meter PB, you'd say, well, they can win, of course. But it's because she's so good at the 400 that we're going to deduct expectation points from her yeah. when it comes to the, to the mile. It's a good point. Yeah, it's weird to like be like, well, she, yeah, I know she's the best 800-meter runner in the world, so of course she should be a good... 1500 meter runner but no like how many people can split sub 49 and run yeah. 359 like i just does anybody do that i don't know like no, no yeah exactly answer, well, like, i mean so, semenya yeah, semenya so, could have done it yeah yeah there you go semenya um but i mean man i just don't know like i because i can't in my head i just can't go like oh she's gonna get dominated by this field like that just seems impossible Correct. And that's just because we've yeah. never seen her be anything less than phenomenal. And because she has no pressure in this race. She's not. Yeah, gonna, not at all. I guess I'd want to know how the race unfolds to have a really good idea of what she's going to do. Because it's going to be honest, though, for sure. Right. That's that's what I'm thinking is is you're going to have people that are pushing the pace. I, I'm just excited to see it. We did that little exercise. Someone emailed in about I wish – Blank would do blank. I think it was Noah in Oregon, and we got yeah. more emails about that. And we were talking about Radisha in the mile. Well, this is the this is the women's equivalent right now to that. Yeah. Right? I and mean, even more so because Radisha, he had a good 400 time, but it wasn't the same as what 
a thing Mo did where she could have just realistically have medaled last year. Yeah, she was probably a, sil- probably a silver medalist. <laughs> like, if I had yeah, to put, yeah. if I had to guess. Yeah. And then now she's going in, and it's not. A f- you mentioned JV Field before. This, yeah, she went in her opener and ran in a race where no one broke five minutes. And then now she's going against a world class field, which yeah. is what this is. And that's what makes it really exciting because if this was a watered down field, like you see sometimes in, especially in indoor races and when people want to run off distances, but still save face and get wins. That's common. She's not doing that. This is a incredibly deep field, an incredibly good field. Well, it's the perfect field too. Like, cause it's, it's, you said it's deep, but it's also, you have, you know, like I said, not Kip Yegon and, and Hassan at the top, but you have like the next level down from that all the way through, like pretty good. So it's like, there couldn't be a more set up to be like, Hey, he, where, where are you at? I think Mo, because the barometer yeah. is going to run from like whatever, four sixteen or, or give or take to four thirty. Yeah. So, you're gonna you're gonna have someone that you're gonna have people there the entire time. This is like the ultimate. Just like hey, let's let's see where she fits in. Let me just go through this one more time because this is you look at this field. Hiltz made the world team in 19. Anna Camp Bennett, NCAA Outdoor Champ of the 1500. Perrier, best U.S. woman in the 15 last year, won the trials. Heather McLean made the Olympic team. Corey McGee made the Olympic team. Shannon Osika, fourth at the Olympic trials. Mm-hmm. Uh, Klosterhofen has run 3:58. Medalist too, yeah. Like, Medalist in the five k, but yeah, run so, for three fifty eight. But like, but like a, yeah, legit top end, yeah. Jessica Hall three fifty eight. Ella Donahue runs with that Union Athletics Club with with Pete Julian with Kostrov and with the Seco with Jessica Hall. She's run, she's run four oh nine, but that's not really indicative of how good she is. She's legit fifteen meter runner. Sage Herta won U.S. or sorry, NCAA indoors. Uh, Josette Norris she did the five thousand at the trials, but remember she was three fifty nine. Last year. And, and then Charlene Lipsy's in there. Maybe she's a rabbit. I mean, she's run 404. I don't yeah. know if they're going to add another rabbit in, into this. But, I mean, that's a really – like, th- it's basically a Olympic – U.S. Olympic trials final where you have a couple international athletes subbed in. Like, Klosterhofen is taking the place of some really good American athlete and Hall is taking – the place of some really good American athlete. Yeah. So you really have a Olympic trials type field here. Yeah. No, that's, and that's perfect. So I think, I don't know, like, what do you expect out of Mo? Like, what do you, I, I think it, like she has the widest range possible. Oh, yeah. Like I, I just, yeah. if you told me like, yeah, she finished third, I'd be like, yeah, of course she did. Or she, oh no, you know, she was ninth. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. Like I, I don't, cause it's, it's so wide open. Honestly, Jace, if she beats three people in this field, assuming those three people come and are in shape and it's not a situation where they're coming off an injury and they agreed to run the meet and then they go out the back really early on. But like on it, like beats like three people with an honest pace. That's just a huge – I mean because that's basically an indication that she can make the 1,500-meter final. Which I like, feel trial. like she should be able to, and I know it's well, just that's the part of it. Un- that's a, it's, it's so confusing. Yeah. It's so because it's one. Th- so in one part of my rate, it's one fifty five eight hundred. That's saying, well, of course, yeah. you're being idiotic. Like when is she? Like you said, when has she ever had a bad race? When has she ever been dropped? But the other part of it means there's got to be a limit to this. Yeah, doesn't there? There has to be an event where she's not going to be 
in the mix. Safan Hassan rule aside, Safan Hassan's distances right now all group together a little more neatly than going from a 400 to a mile, right? Like there's people in high school and college who can go 800 to 5K and put up impressive times. Show me the milers who also do 400s. Yeah, that's out where there. it's... At any level, at any level. No, exactly. Uh, but I still... I, there's no chance to in my head that she gets gets walked in this field. Like I feel like she's worst case scenario. She's like going to be like middle of the pack, and maybe I'm just yeah over exaggerate because it's she's oh I agree been nothing agree but you. the best, and I and I can't picture her being anything else. But like to me, that's her worst case scenario. Would you be? Could she win? <sighs> I I don't think so. I think. She could finish top three. Like, I could see her coming around the final turn, like, fifth, and then, like, passing yeah. some people. I'd be legit shocked if she won. And maybe that's dumb. But, like, it's still, I, I have to put some sort of limit on it, I guess. And this feels just too good. So, like, I feel like I could see her certainly finishing top five and possibly finishing top three. Yeah. Like, fifth, sixth, is seventh is the hedge. And I think that's where I would would come down yeah, that, because that feels the most likely like that seems like yeah like she's just too talented not to yeah and for a lot of these women it's their opener so just as i mentioned hey if she beats people if she beats anybody it's a huge accomplishment aside from the people who clearly aren't going to be in the mix so there is that element and she's already run a race this year albeit it was just a solo time trial i am stuck in trying this is one of the most <laughs> difficult races to figure out we're getting what we wanted we finally got what we wanted and i'm right and i'm choking i'm 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 i have no idea what to expect from this thing this is a carson warholm in the 800 times a million in terms of how difficult it is to to forecast because i just yeah i can't picture her in my mind like losing touch with this field but at the same time her winning doesn't make sense i get here here's what i'll settle on I think what you said was right, where she'll be able to close and pass people. But if they do go out 420 or under pace, mm-hmm. I do think at some point this I'll just this is this will be my actual prediction, and then I'll change my mind by the end of the show. But I think she'll lose there'll be a pack that can run that pace. Maybe it'll be Purrier, Jessica Hull, Josette Norris. I don't know. Pick your two or three other people. Right. And then that it's going to burn off some people who are trying to follow, and she might be. And she probably she probably doesn't go out crazy, right? She's going to be more a little more conservative in the beginning, presumably. I would guess that one advice that one bit of advice she would get would be to follow, follow. It'll be single file, and then make the move. So I could see her drifting back to seven, eight, nine, and then making a strong move in the last two hundred when she knows it's close. Because in a race setting, yes, she's run this fast, but when she, if they go through. 1200 at four flat 1500 pace well she's never been there before in a a race and i'm assuming not in a workout because then she's over her preferred distance by 400 meters and the only other time she ran it was a couple weeks ago which 437 which is just not applicable at all to the situation so i think she's going to get into a territory where she's never been before yeah and and just seeing how she reacts to that can she handle it or not. I think she's going to enjoy the fact that she's not the favorite and she won't have to lead. And there's no time pressure at all. Yeah. This, 
I give her an immense amount of credit for doing this. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, no, absolutely. And and there is no doubt because like cause she finishes second to last. Like who cares? She's the best eight hundred meter in the yeah. world and maybe yeah. the and maybe the best four hundred meter in the world. Like yeah. no no like there really isn't pressure, but at the same time, when you're this big of a name, there's always gonna be some pressure. So um uh, I'm gonna say she's gonna finish fourth. Wow. I know. It seems think... way too much, but I'm screw it. I'm rolling with it. <laughs> If, I think you're she, right. In my head, whatever it is, two, three, four people go out, and like they, they're really pushing it, right? Yeah. And they're they're going sub four twenty pace. She's settling into seventh or whatever it is, and then two or three of those people just are unreachable. Basically, they they mm-hmm. end up running really fast, and they're 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 just not there. But she that last lap, she's just picking out picking everybody else off. If she finishes any higher than what you're saying, like we'll just have she'll break track and field. Yes, <laughs> like she, already, I like I'm like that's fourth is too much, but I can't in my head. I like I can't go lower than like fifth, so like I don't. I'm just going with it. Yeah, fourth. I mean, depending on the time, like I'm because there could be a middle section where they slow down and it groups up and it works out perfectly. For I say her. if that happens, yeah, she's going to destroy people. In that last yeah, lap. but it's not going to slow down that much. So no, if no. she if she wins. It's not and the men. I, it's the women. They they run honest way more often. Yeah, yeah. but if somehow she wins, and again, one fifty five eight hundred. So I'm not gonna close the door on any possibility here that she wins. She's a talent, pretty much unlike anything we've ever seen. Like, I keep my composure during these things. Usually, I, I'll lose my mind. <laughs> you won't be able to find me for a week, probably. <laughs> I won't know what to do. This sport that we've been talking about for eleven and a half years. I'll have no clue how to put it into words. It'll be crazy. Now, maybe she gets 10th, and we're like, hey, solid eight, really Fine. good. Yeah, no big deal. But I'm she glad runs, she did it. Like, that's... Well, and imagine saying, yeah, I can run 425 and 49. Yeah. Like, that's... Okay. Already, I don't know who else is doing that, so... Nope. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. I, I am just so excited that she's doing this. I made a joke before like when she did that Texas A&M mile of oh it's run a race you're never going to run again this season time because right. she was in, she was in a mile it's like well we're not going to see her in a mile again we might see her in some thousands or something but we're not going to see her in a mile and then oh okay I'm going to jump into one of the most competitive miles of the indoor season yeah I love it it just makes I mean and you know it's one of those things that doesn't seem like it's it's likely to happen like when you're older but like something you know she's a new superstar even though she's a superstar like yeah i feel like you're more likely to see this when someone's 20 than when they're you know okay they got four gold medals they're not gonna mess around as much they've planned out. they've been masterful in how they've planned out her schedule both last year and this year i guess it's too early to say for this year but yeah. last year with the <laughs> good with, start, no, with how they push the buttons with the four, toggling between the four and the eight wasn't that didn't that end up being terrific? I know she lost indoors in the 400, but we see the end result of how well she did outdoors. And you have to say, well, that was pretty much perfect. And that's – they're managing a talent that there's not much of a blueprint to go off of. No, you're right. I mean, I, I think it's – I think they have done a great job. And, I, you know, I, I guess I just wonder, like, part of it with the mile is, like, is this – is there something bigger here? Or is it just – Hey, let's let's try a little on the longer end and see if that 
helps our 800. Or if it's like, hey, where where do we measure up here? So that's what you're floating. You're I don't know. I, that's, that's what I'm wondering, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. It could just be, you know, as basic as possible, but just the fact that she did one as a warm-up and then, and maybe the whole plan was like, hey, maybe she just wants to do it. Like, maybe it's like, hey, I want to run against a competitive mile field to see what it's like. That's fine. Like, oh, I get it. <laughs> whatever the reason was for why she wants to do it, it's great. That she's doing yeah, yeah, no arguments here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's... It gives her the opportunity to do something that we've never seen before, but also giving her the chance to get back to her other events later, right? Because if you if you dip your toe in, in the mile in this field and have a great showing, then you can presumably go back to the eight and the four, whatever you want to do, and then have a great season. And then we still have, oh, man – what could she have done in the 15? Because yeah. the one time she showed up, she looked pretty good in that race. And I don't – yeah, I'm looking – yeah, I guess the 8-15 is possible, correct? Because didn't Eugene say that they were going to make all normal doubles possible? I think so, yeah. Which is why I, the, I'd have to look, but yeah. The 4 and the 8 are on top of each other, but that wasn't classified as a normal double. So I think the 8 and the 15 are. Uh, if that's the case, emergency pod. Um, for like a week. That's yeah. all that's all well, and that's about. and that's the thing is like I mean if you are the massive gold medal favorite in the eight hundred, right? Which he is. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, that's great. Like I mean I'm looking forward to another gold medal. That'll be fun. But I kinda want to double. And they're not letting me do the four hundred. Yeah. So like this is my only option. Like I it, it, it makes sense. But but see that's crazy though that she's already progressed to that level in yeah, her career after only one gold medal, we don't see. And part of it is the rest, you know, Audrey Wilson falling off the face of the earth, and like just you know, it, it's she's that good, but also the couple women who well, maybe Hodgkinson's could have pushed right there, one fifty five, same uh, age, but too. she's not there though. She needs to show she's there. We haven't seen Edgy Wilson in two years. No, no, I'm saying in terms of most competition, I'm saying. Keely Hodgkinson ran 155 last year. Mo dominated. Oh, Hodgkinson. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Don't yeah, yeah. don't don't get me wrong. Like Mo, yeah, dominated. No, no, race. you're right. You're right. Hodgkinson is is one who could actually make that interesting. It is though interesting because if you wait until you've proven everything you need to prove in an event, usually that means you're too old to make the transition. Yeah. And we've heard it time and time again. Everybody talks big at the beginning of their career. I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna move to this event, or. But then it's always, all right, one more, one more year of this. Just get one more gold, and then I'll try this event or that event. If this is part of some larger plan, or even if it's not, just the fact that she would use a race opportunity to do this and not be intimidated by the field is great for her and I think great for the fans to actually yeah. see it. Um, and it's funny because she comes out of the eight. Because I was looking forward just to her versus Wilson, even though obviously Moe's going to be the big favorite, but – Maybe Wilson, she's run really well indoors. Whatever happened to her last year, maybe it's behind her. Natoya Gould is in there as well. But now it's just, Mo has just this gravity. She's pulling all the attention now to the women's Wanamaker Mile. Yeah, I think, you know, and I hope Wilson bounces back for sure. But it's it's funny because, you know, Audrey Wilson was like, seemed just dominant for, what, two and a half years maybe, somewhere in that range. And already Mo has run faster than she ever did. And she's 19. Like it's so even if Audrey Wilson were to like become old Audrey Wilson again, 
Like she's still behind, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess you're you're if you're her or the rest of the world, you're hoping that that Mo doesn't progress <laughs> from where she was. Yeah, before, I mean that's which, yeah exactly right. Like, but that's happened before. That's not crazy yeah. that someone would run their fastest time as a teenager. You haven't run faster than when you were a teenager. It's a so. great point. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know we, why we you're do expecting everybody else a, a to thing do Pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> You were known, but even though she wasn't born yet, probably when, you, when we were running, you were <laughs> oh known. Oh my god, that's thing, true. A thing, Mo of Palo Verde High School. She was born when I the the month we graduated from high school. Yeah, it's. Do you think that's she was a born June two thousand two? So, well, I guess your running career had wrapped by then. Yeah, last, I mean, I, I you know, I still did some stuff, that, but like my my top level is, was was it? It was done. Yeah, your racing career. Yeah, I mean, I, I just did some random 5Ks, and I mean, I did some, yeah, some stuff, but no, not, you know, I was never good anyway, so it doesn't matter. No, this matters. I think we really need to spend more time on this. Did we do that weird 15K in Utah after we graduated, or in the <sighs> middle of high school? I think that was between cross-country and track. Okay, so you, you don't get credit for that one. All yeah, that, I, I want to say one. that was like February or something like that of our senior year. That doesn't go on the highlight reel, though. Yeah. Okay. Let's go men's Wanamaker mile. Here's the field. Uh, Murphy, Oliver Hoare, Hobbs Kessler, Colby Alexander, Coskard, Craig Engels, Mario Garcia-Romo, Sam Prakel, uh, Mariano Garcia, Johnny Gregoric, Josh Kerr, bronze medalist, Nick Willis, and Henry Wynn. Kerr the favorite. Yes. Hoare could win. Interested in Murphy and Engels is how I see this race. Yeah, Murphy, big wild card for sure. Um, I love that Nick Willis is still just yep, every year. Going, going for sub four. Yeah, I want him to do it just for the rest of his life. Just I don't even care. He can be eighty, he can just be the guy. You know, like how like Jack Nicholas will tee off the Masters to like start off. It's like that's what I want Nick Willis to do. Um <laughs> He runs the opening round of the world championship by himself. Yeah, just, and we're just like, Yeah, time. this is awesome. Everyone loves Nick Willis. How do you not? You know, it's the best. Um yeah, Josh Carter for sure the favorite, but you're right. I think Hoare Ingles, Murphy I'd be surprised a little bit if Ingles won, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was, like, second or third. Murphy could have a puncher's chance of winning, but also finish, like, 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you say about everybody in this field, just, I mean, with the exception of Kerr, I'd be surprised if Kerr finished that far back, but... Yeah, I mean, I just feel like Murphy, I mean, even when he's, like, just last year, like, I mean, he he's had such a weird, kind of a weird career yeah. already, uh, but then when he had the comeback last year, it was like, oh... Murphy's back, and then it was like, oh, well, he didn't have a great race, but that's fine. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I, this is, I mean, this is, this is good. It's, you know, it doesn't have the huge uh, a thing Mo just thrown in. Yeah. But, like, other than that, like, it's a pretty, it's a pretty fun field. Michael Norman isn't running. Yeah, exactly. The mile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, definitely intrigued by it. Kessler. That'll be kind of, kind of fun there, too. Maybe Emmanuel Career, I guess, would be the better comp because he made the finals in the four. Mm. World champs and then won the 800 meter. And even then, though, title. we'd be like, well, it's the men's title. Yeah, we, we'd say he's <laughs> not going to, yeah, we'll say he'd get walked, is what we would say. And yeah. then the thing more like, hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, Kessler is interesting. I just want to see if he makes yeah. another step up. A lot of attention as a high schooler, and then you enter the pro world, and then you're just another one of the guys again. Um, men's eight. Let's check this one out. Where do we have the men's eight? There we go. 11.55 a.m. 
Hopple, Saruni, Harris, Lopez, English, Ordonez, Jewett, Charlie Hunter, Downs, and Jones. Uh, Dow Jones, Downs, Jones. Okay. I tried to make a joke that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I'm most curious on Hopple. Yeah. Is it going to be 2020 or sorry, 2019 Hopple or 2021 Hopple? Jewett made the Olympic team, was superstar. I want to see him. Harris, very consistent. Saruni, not that consistent. So that could go a lot of different ways. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Hopple's for sure, you know, he's got the highest upside, obviously. Like Harris and Jewett are both guys who will be battling for that third spot. Presuming at the trials. Yeah. yeah. Brazier and Hopple are, are, are like, you know, the favorites, like they should be. Um so yeah, so it's 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 you know, you've got you got four or five guys there. Three Ks are interesting, just like a heavy young athlete, like <laughs> Wait here, like a lot of NCAA champs. You got like Wesley or NCAA guys who are still in NCAA's. Like Nico Young is in there in the three K. Grahalva, Kip Two, Drew Hunter, uh, Cooper Tier, Jordy Beamish, and then Cole Hawker and Connor Mance. So a lot of a uh, lot of people who are like either they've just got their degree, like they they took a class in twenty twenty, yeah, or twenty nineteen right? <laughs> of, of this group. That'll be fun. And then similarly with the women's three K. Because, yeah, I mean, you got Kalati in there. You have Ellie Hennis, who was the NCAA 5K champ. Whitney Orton, who just won cross. On the shorter distance stuff, men's four, what do you expect from Brazier? Do you like that he's running the four? I kind of do for similar reasons to a Thing Mo. But, not, like, this is a – a Thing Mo is a 10 out of 10 weird distance thing. Yeah. Brazier is about seven, I think. Yeah, I, I think I might even have it just just because of the whole weird Brazier last year, and I know you know injured and and whatnot, but you still expect him to bounce back and be that men's eight hundred favorite in a not super deep event. Um, but yeah, I think I think the four hundred makes sense here, and I yeah, I'm kind of curious where he's at. But at the same time, I don't know how much we'll be able to take from anything of this, like an early season <laughs> indoor four hundred. How fast would he have to run for you to take something from it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so let's see. His PB is forty six nine. I don't even. I don't even know what to make of that. Um, let's see. Let 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 me give you some uh, all time marks here. Because Nor- Norwood's in here too, and that's I guess someone he's be keen off of. World record: Michael Norman forty four fifty two. Or did that ever get ratified? I guess it's forty four fifty one. Would be no <laughs> fastest time ever forty four fifty two. Karan Clement forty four fifty seven. Michael Johnson forty four sixty three. Yeah, uh, and obviously I don't expect him to be anywhere close to those sub forty five. I mean, he'd be. I think if he runs low forty fives, I would be thrilled. If I'm him, yeah, yeah. like I, I'd be like, oh, Brazier's Brazier's back. Because if you're running forty five two or forty five three indoors. Okay, here's my thinking. Let me play pop psychologist here. I don't truly understand like why I think Mo's doing it. I just love that she's doing it. With Brazier, I think this is a show of strength. I don't think... Huh, okay. And I know last year we did the whole, like, are Hopple and Brazier ever going to race each other? Are they ducking each other? I don't think he's ducking that field in the eight. And I think he's always wanted to rip a fast quarter. And I think this shows that he's in, is in good shape. Hmm. And I, he's I don't fly. think he's ducking the eight hundred necessarily, but I also, <clears throat> I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. Eight hundred. What's that? He's ducking the eight hundred. No, no, no. I don't think he's ducking. You just necessarily, said. But I, I don't. <laughs> but I don't know. 
like, I don't know where he's at. He obviously knows better than I do. But if he doesn't fully know where he's at, he also doesn't want to run an 800 and finish third. Okay, here's what I'm thinking to what you're thinking based on what I'm thinking. I also, I think he is going to compete a couple times indoors and potentially run world indoors. I don't know. I don't know any of this. I haven't talked to him. But I think because of that, he's like setting these things up of I'll run this fast quarter. I'm not going to waste. I don't want to waste an opener, like an 800 on like an opener. And I know I can rip a good quarter. I'm going to have a chance to run a lot of 800s this year because I'm going to run another one. I don't know when they're going to maybe in Staten Island at the Grand Prix and then USA's and they qualify and then I'm going to run the 800 at World Indoors. So I got to run two at World Indoors. I got to run two at USA's and I got to run another one in the regular season. So I got to run. So I'm not going to do another 800. Like those are covered. Plus I've always wanted to run like a fast quarter. He's talked about getting on the four by four. I don't think they're going to use this as the way to get him on the four by four, but that's always been an interest of his. And he ran a lot of good four by four splits back in college. So I think it means he's going to compete a lot indoors. Now someone could look at it the complete opposite and say, no, he's just going to run a four just because he has to make an appearance. And this shows that he's not going to take indoors seriously. But I, I think it shows that he is, you know, we'll, we'll know in a couple weeks or maybe on the weekend, if someone asks him, Hey, are you going to run world indoors this year? And I'll look like an idiot, but I just, I think this could be an indication that he's setting up for a big indoor season because he's done that in the past. Remember that was that 20, was it 19 or 20 when you just like rip through indoor season and was breaking all those records. I think that was 19, right? I guess because yeah, I think so. Let me look at him in nineteen. Do you disagree? I, it's not that I disagree. I just feel like we're completely guessing at this point. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. he's coming Did off. I say that? He, well, I, I mean, but I, he, we're coming off this weirdest year, so it's like you you might absolutely be right, but at the same time, like I just even if he was normal, like say he was just coming off the gold medal and he looked like Donovan Brazier last year, even then, like he probably doesn't run the eight hundred. In this race, like the like the the yeah. stars rarely go up, even against a uh, a medium field. Yeah, early in the season because they're not, you know, they're not at their sharpest, and they're like, uh, you know, I don't want to hear it if I lose to Bryce Hopple or whatever in, in the yeah. first, you know, in the first first month. So they they usually play it really safe, and running your off event is really safe because even if you lose, it's not a big deal. Um. I hope you're right. I mean, I, I prefer your, your version because that means he's running more and yeah, you know, then he's kind of back to himself and, and that's what I would much rather see. I think if you're trying, if you're not confident, I'll say it like this. If you're not confident, then yeah, you'll avoid your primary event, but I don't think you'll go into a regular, regularly contested event, like a quarter where you're dropping down in distance. Cause I just feel like you'd, you'd feel slow. And you get exposed. I, if you ran a 600, my thinking on this would be completely different. There's just something about the fact that the 400 being a legit event where you're going in against, you know, Norwood's in there. He's a solid 400 meter runner. Christopher yeah. Taylor's in there from Jamaica, solid 400 meter runner. You're, you don't want to get embarrassed in those events. If you're running a 300 or a 500 or a 600 or a, a 1K, totally different story. So his last, I looked this up, 2019. He opens with a 115 in the 600 at College Station. Then the next week runs 145.9 in Boston. Then he runs the American record in the 800, 144.4. Four. 
Then he goes to U.S. indoors, and it was a 600 that year for whatever reason and runs a world record in the final 113. 2020, he opened with a 114 in the, 16, in the 600, so faster than his uh, opener in 19, but not as fast as his as his world record time. Then he runs a 800 in an American record of 144.2. And then he ended, well, World Indoors got canceled. So I guess he didn't run USA's though. So he wouldn't have been able to go to World Indoors anyway. But every time he goes indoors, it's good is what I'm saying. And then 18, remember he was running well and qualified and then got DQ'd at um, World Indoors because everybody got DQ'd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's fair. I, I think this, you know, we bring up a good point with the 600. Um, the 400 is like kind of like a, it's almost an off event indoors, it seems like. Um, sure. But I mean, there's like a benchmark. Like if he goes out there and runs four, you're saying like, oh, worried about getting embarrassed by Bryce Hopple. If he goes out there and runs 47, it's not a good look. No, definitely not. And even then, though, you could brush off, hey, first one of the season, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you have excuses built in for that. Um, yeah. And you don't hear about it as much. But yeah, sure. no, I mean, I. You know, it, it's. I think the most likely scenario is that last year was an aberration, and it just was. You know, hey, it's been the weirdest sure. two years of everybody's life. Yeah. Um, so he bounces back and he decides, like, yeah, I'm gonna kick indoor ass for a little bit and then dominate the 800. Like that would not surprise me. I feel like that's still the most likely scenario for this year. Kick indoor ass. I like that. Kick ass indoors. Yeah, you know, okay. it, it didn't make a ton of sense, but. Either way. I never do. (laughs) You pick and choose. Women's quarter, I think Raven Rogers is the main runner there. Um, Wait, who else is in there? I can't find the stars. There you go. Oh, Wild and Jonathan. Never mind. I think Jonathan would be the favorite. We'll see what. um, And Jessica Beard in there. The shorter stuff, the 60s and the 60 hurdles, the big story is a men's 60. It's a really good field. Coleman, his first – 60. I guess we'll call it his first real race because the 300 and the 4x4 that he did a couple weeks ago don't really count. Right. First race is suspension. since the suspension. You got Bromel in there. You have Bracey, Baker, Noah Lyles. I mean, this is going to be this is going to be one of the most revealing 60s in the history of 60s. <laughs> yeah. I think my inclination is that Coleman has not missed a beat and he's still going to be really good. Yeah, he's so good at the 60. I would just be shocked like if he didn't win this still. Um even Baker's also really good though. And Bromel, like these are good Bracey, guys. Bracey is a great 60 meter runner as well. Yeah. Um I know. Yeah, I mean it's it's a loaded field for sure. But this is like Coleman dominant, you know. This is this kind of what he does. He flies out of the blocks and he's mm-hmm. he's great at this. So, it's first race in a while though. Um but I do expect him to win. If he wins, it's obviously an indication that he should be considered. If you're not already considered the number one guy, the number one guy, I'm saying he's going to run well. It may not be because it is the sixties. Things can go wrong. It may not be that he wins, but he's going to have a good result. And if Baker drops like a six forty low and Coleman runs six forty two in his first real race in forever, it's still a good sign. Yeah. For him. This could be fun too with, World Indoors looming. I I would think Coleman's going to run World Indoors because he's going to say, I'm going to try to get as many medals as I can since I missed out on a bunch. But then those those other spots are going to be really hard to come by because if Bracey, Baker, Bromel all want to run, which 
all those guys have run and succeeded in world indoors in the past. Um, it's interesting. Lyles is obviously 60s, not his bread and butter. Yeah. I wouldn't expect him to be up with these top, top guys. It's fun that he's in there though. Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's, there's, there's no, literally no harm to it whatsoever. I just, you know, he's a, obviously a true 200 guy, hopefully a hundred guy if he's, mm-hmm. if he's back. But even then, like, you know, Coleman, Bracey are like 60 to hundred meter guys. Like, like mm-hmm. this is kind of like where they do their thing. Baker is obviously yeah. really good at that too. So yeah, it'll be uh yeah, this is interesting. I mean, this is as loaded as you could pretty much get for a, for a 60. Well, U S base too. You could bring in some guys internationally. It'd be fun to see Su Bing Tian in there. Yeah. As, as well. I mean, Marcel Jacobs, if we can find Love. him, would be great in there. Women's 60, not as star-studded, but you got some women there who have run seven lows and Aaliyah Hobbs and Micaiah Briscoe, Brianna Williams of Jamaica is in there, English Gardner, Gabby Thomas. Be short for her because she's the bronze medalist in the 200. Yep. But that one will be fun. Hurdles, Kenny Harrison's running, I believe. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Let's see. Christina Clemens made the Olympic team. Gabby Cunningham. What do they have? Nine people listed here. They do. Are they going to have a extra lane? How's that? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the alternate. I'm not sure. Two heats. I think Probably a two, rabbit. Two. Yeah, yeah, they'll drop out. Yeah. Men only have eight. I'm seeing it now. Allen and Roberts. Listen, I don't want to say the men's six hurdles is all about Grant Holloway, but if you don't have Grant Holloway in your field, kind is yeah, kind of tough. Hopefully Roberts can recapture like that NCAA magic from a few years ago. And then like he could yeah. actually give Holloway some trouble, but until then, yeah, we will not know. Krauser in the shot. Yeah. Cause he's signed up for every shot put competition. Might as well <laughs> ever exist. It's like, can anybody just get within a meter of me? Be really fun. Probably not. I'm going to say no. <laughs> That was that was not a rhetorical question. I was yeah, honestly. I'm literally there. like thinking. I'm like, uh, I'll take maybe. I'll take over meter. Yeah, maybe. Uh, pretty good women's long jump as well too. I'm just excited to have a a track meet with a bunch of fast people in one place. It's yeah. It, the early season stuff is cool, but then you're piecing together results from this meet and that meet. It's like you want to see the head to head competition as much as you can, and then this will kick off a uh, a good run of indoor meets all the way until. World Indoors, which is your favorite meet of the year. Yep, got the banner up. It's ready. Um, no, I, I agree, though. I'm pumped. Like, it's just, yeah, it's, those, like I said, those early season meets, they're like NBA Summer League. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, all right, that was cool. We got to see him play for six minutes. But it's not really, now you know, regular season starting. That's good. Yeah, you keep the starters in there. Yeah, that's for, a, yeah that's just, for a drive or two. Yeah, for that's that a... extra extra bit. And it's like, okay, now, now we're actually seeing something. Yeah. And I'm going to get too excited about Marvin Bracey or something. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, that's inevitable. That is going to happen. I'm going to get too excited about somebody. Yes. but That's part of the fun. Yeah. Well, because you see them against each other. It's one thing to get excited about a time. It's another thing to say, wow, they beat those three people. And then you wait three weeks. And it's like, okay, never mind. That was a false alarm. Turns out it, that was the highlight of their season. It was one race. <laughs> You're a Milrose All-Star. All right, we'll go to emails. Yeah. Uh, before we do that, uh, what are your thoughts on the NFL playoffs, Jason? It was pretty good. Okay. No, that All was right. uh, yeah on. probably the best weekend of football ever, just with how many close games and everything there was. Um, mm-hmm. And that Bills Chiefs game was incredible. That was one of the best games I've ever seen. Yeah, it's on the short Makes list. Sense. Yeah. 
where our chiefs need to discuss over chiefs rules. podcast yeah, yeah yeah you want to get into that yeah that's, that? no one else is talking about it so i definitely want to discuss it in depth so you had a great tweet which was why isn't it just a 10 minute period and then i see so they come up with all these crazy scenarios of like how to do overtime and yeah. it's just so funny to me because then people will post videos of of like talking head shows of like let's do it this way let's do it that way and somehow just doing another period is just off, it's like off the table or it's seen as this completely novel concept. Yeah. Of, it's like, like why would we do it like other that? sports do? Like they just <laughs> keep playing the regular sport. It's like, it's like, no, we need to come up with all these convoluted ways. And the funny thing is, is like, well, player safety, you can't play an extra 10 minutes because the NFL is really prioritizing. Yeah, they, they concern player safety for sure. They add an extra playoff game, add an extra game during the regular season, and then they're going to be mad about. Oh, like a 10 minute overtime period and then they like when people try to poke holes in it, it doesn't make any sense like well the one team could score uh what one team could hold the ball the whole time it's like well how often is there a 10 minute drive yeah. it's like it does happen <laughs> but then okay fine that's but use like, your timeouts still, or something it's still I don't just know. playing another quarter or another period you know whatever so it's like yeah. the nba plays the shortened quarter like hockey just keeps playing until someone scores i know that's like kind of sudden deathy but baseball like in the playoffs yeah. there's they don't do that weird runner on second they just like let's just keep going yeah. See what happens. We're going to run out of pitchers, so at some point, yeah. this guy's going to pitch, but like that's fine. Like and f- you don't have to change it for the regular season necessarily. Just change it for the playoffs. Yeah. As a big, you know, as a big Chiefs guy, lifelong Chiefs fan as I yeah. continue to cheer for the best team in every sport because it just improves my quality of life immensely. I need to start doing some research on hockey because that's it's going to be coming up soon. I need to pick who's ever in in, in front. Uh I appreciated the win, obviously. But I'm not going to, like, defend the system because a couple of years ago, that's how they lost to the Patriots. And I thought it was interesting that uh, the Chiefs actually proposed changes to overtime to make it more fair, and then they got shut down. So you can say, hey, we tried. Yeah. We didn't want to do it this way either. Yeah, it's not um, their fault. I mean, they, you know, it was it was an incredible game. It's a bummer for Bills fans. I uh, I got nothing against the Bills, you know. Yeah. They, they, they've been a pretty tortured franchise. And uh, Josh Allen is awesome. So, yeah, at least you have that. Did you see the Andy Reid quote? to Mahomes, what he told Mahomes before the last drive. Uh, yeah, that was... Is that real? I hope so, because that's... I mean, man, he, but there's no way he pulled that in the moment. Maybe he had that, like, in his back pocket. Because... So the quote was, if people don't know, yeah, Coach the Chiefs, Andy Reid, before the quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, took the field with 13 seconds left, said, when things are grim, be the Grim Reaper. Now, keep really in mind... Good. That's really, really good. The chances of them winning at that point were, or tying and getting it to overtime were tiny. Yeah. Oh, it's it's like it's not zero as if he, almost. Yeah. It's not as if he said this at the beginning of the game or when they were down seven points at halftime. He picked the point to say this when like the foot of the other team was on your neck and there was barely anything left and no life left in your body. He's like, all right, man, and he pulled that thing out and. I mean, what would have happened if Mahomes threw two incompletions? It's like, well, I guess you're not the Grim Reaper anymore. <laughs> Takes a sack on the first play. Wow, yeah. sorry, man. It was, but that's a great line. And yeah, the fact, I mean, you shouldn't be able to go 50 yards in 15 seconds. Like, just shouldn't happen in general. But, uh, you know, it did. Well, what I love is, you know, if an epic game like that goes the, the way, you know, the way I was cheering and I was, I was pulling for the Chiefs, is all the stuff afterwards like that of the the coach said this at that moment or this player because they had the other thing too like on the last play before the field goal 
right? Travis Kelsey wanted to run some route. Did you see that clip? Yeah. And then, because usually he just freelances out there because no one can guard him or tackle him. But I guess Mahomes wanted him to run a specific route. So at the line, he's literally yelling, do it, Kels, do it, do it, do it, hut, hut, hike. It's like they enhance the audio from it. I just, I don't know, it's kind of fun, like seeing all that stuff afterwards of all the little intricacies. And maybe that stuff happens in every, like maybe Andy Reid has been saying, if things are grim, be the Grim Reaper every single game. But it just takes on a life of its own when it comes to just a high stakes game like that. No, I agree. Yeah, like the more, give me that whole game, like with everybody mic'd up and I would watch it yeah, in a second. Yeah. All right, anyway, that was our football interlude. Thought it was, thought it was fun. Yeah, I mean that was something everyone's talking about. So, yeah, my buddy uh, coworker Gordon put he, I don't know if you see you saw this. I, I retweeted it from the House of Run account. He put Grant Holloway running the hurdles in 13 seconds next to Mahomes driving down the field in 13 seconds. I did not said, see that, but that's fantastic. Who did it better? And it's all it's awesome with the it, he has the football commentary over it too. So it's like Jim Nance and Tony Romo are going nuts as Grant Holloway f- uh, flies over the hurdles. But then Grant Grant responded and he said, "Give me a timeout at hurdle seven. <laughs> Great stuff. That's fun okay, stuff. here we go. Let's go into the email inbox. First of all, we have yet to hear from somebody, who, a lawyer out there who uh, uh, specializes in obstruction of justice. Mm. So it's a shame. If you're out there, let me know. Um, we got a. A uh, message from Martin on Twitter. He was saying, "On or about, w- with regards to the the legalese, on or about July thirtieth could be a time zone issue because July thirtieth in Tokyo could be twenty ninth or thirtieth in the U.S. Depending on the time it happened in Tokyo. Yeah, so that, that bums me out that that makes sense. See, maybe all of it makes sense, and you just mm. don't have any respect well, I'm a for dumb the rule person. of law. That's like really a big part of it is I'm not that smart, and so that's why I hate it because my. <laughs> Like three words in, I go, my eyes glaze over and I'm just, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go to, here we go. It's the first one here from Zach, not Brad from New Jersey. He says, Hey, Kevin. So he's not nope, asking I'm you. I'm sitting this out. No, I need your help on this because I thought about it and I couldn't. It's like on Wordle sometimes when you literally cannot think of a freaking word that's oh, five man. letters. It drives me crazy. And you're, and then you think of one, and it has three letters in common with the one you've already. It's yep. like drive, great, dude. You've already used R, I, and E. Cool. But this is, I had the same feeling about this question because I could not think of it. So maybe you can help me. What race in your life do you guys remember? Oh, you guys. All right, you're involved now. Hmm. Okay. Most vividly, as in play by play or lap by lap, which do you remember most clearly? Also, you guys brought up the Warholm 800 and Rudisha in the same sentence. It begs the question: What would Rudisha have been able to run in the four-meter hurdles? Well, using Jason's formula, he'd be able to run. What would you say, Jace? Uh, 44, 45 low. He would, we never saw him jump over anything. He tall though. He tall was guy. built. I mean, it, it it seems like something he probably could have been pretty pretty good at. Um, yeah, at the time and in the midst of that, I think he he would have been right up there. I would have bet on him. He was a, he was a, right he could have been there? a really good four hundred meter runner, um, unless he just had just awful form. Just, just no 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 technique at all. Yeah yeah. I mean, obviously, sub sub 50 for sure, but everybody, I don't know. We know every uh, four-meter hurdler is a great 800 runner. Maybe it doesn't work the other way around, though. It's true. Who knows? It's, it's tough because there's a technical aspect in addition. Yeah. As far as just like pure just, hey, he, what kind of runner could he take? Like, I mean, it, it translates really, really well, but yeah. I think, well, and just, again, look at, look at how tall he was and just – 
It would have seemed str- so easy for him to jump over hurdles. But. Stride looks very smooth. Yeah, his style is more like Benjamin, though, than Warholm, just in the relaxed nature of running. Yes. Because almost every pro runner's style is more like Benjamin than it is like Warholm. Yeah, everyone's more relaxed than Warholm is. Yeah, because nobody would have vocal cords left if yeah, they were more like Most rock stars are more relaxed. <laughs> so is there a race that you – like, which do you, what race do you remember most vividly? I mean, men's 800, Radisha, like, that's – that's the first one that popped in my head for sure. But um, here's my thing. That and, one's easy to remember because he leads the whole way. And yep. there's not that many splits involved. And you're like, okay, 140-91. Cool. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, and the, obviously the most famous ones are going to stick because that, Warholm this last year, Van Niekerk's world record. Like, I mean, those, of course, watching in the moment were like absolutely incredible. So, and you're right. There, but there wasn't like lead changes and all this crazy yeah, stuff to I it. Just, um, that women's 15. Okay. I thought of that one, but that, I want to hear your explanation on that. I mean, but the thing is like, I guess I'm more thinking of like the last lap. Cause it's like, do you remember who was leading where? Like, I remember. Yeah. That's the thing is like, if you push. told me like, Hey, who's leading, who was leading on, you know, midway through the first or the second lap, I'd be like, um, yeah, I've watched it a million times, yeah. but I don't remember. And I re- obviously, you remember Simpson passing on the inside, Safanason faltering, Semenya making the big push for home, obviously Muir stumbling as well. Um, but that one was like – I remember that part of it, but especially with splits and things, it's I found it really difficult. It is, yeah. Um, and maybe it's because I've watched too many of them. They all start to blend together. Like 04 Olympics – when Bekele let the pace go too slow and Garouge is just chilling on his shoulder. And I'm thinking, well, I know how this is going to end. Yeah, and it's I a wasn't bad even... idea. Yeah, it was a bad idea because he had just won 1,500-meter gold. I mean, they, I'm, I'm looking at him right now. They still ran 13-14, so not, not crazy. But the, I remember that, and he just sat on him and sat on him and went. I guess I remember London 2012, 10,000 with Farah and Rupp 1 and 2. I would say but... I, that's mainly more the last lap. Um, All of it's I make mean, most. Yeah, because it's, it's so. I mean, it's so hard to be like, yeah, yeah. This is this, see, I I did this is what I'm talking about. I I was running through all these races in my head, and I thought, well, do I really know that much about it? Like the Kipchoge five thousand race, I've watched a whole bunch. I've watched the Craig Mottram Commonwealth thing just because the crowd is going nuts. I've watched a bunch of NCAA races, like those. You know, a lot of those four by four comebacks, like when USC caught Purdue at the line, the last race at old Hayward field. Do you have any that you like wrote like an oral history on? Well, Oh, okay. Yeah. That one I probably, but see now I'm even, I'm racking my brain. Obviously weeding comes from, you're talking about, you're being funny, yeah. but you're talking about yeah. 08. You're not talking about Flo Joe's quarterfinal. I wrote, <laughs> I I wrote an oral history yeah. on that. Uh, she won and ran 1049, but there was some controversy about the wind cause it read zero. So the men's eight. Yeah. I guess it would be that one. Men's eight. Um, 20, 2008 Olympic trials. Cause you have Simmons is Simmons is in the box with, with 200 to go, gets out of the box, makes a big run. Then you have weeding coming from out of nowhere. And then you have Simmons cross first weeding. And then the dive, uh, Christian Smith and then Katie and, and Lamong like getting tangled up there. All, close together but 
Like, I don't remember the 400 split. <laughs> do, do I have to do that? I don't know. Yeah, that's the, it's like so hard to yeah. do, though, you know, to get to that level where it's, even though you feel like you've seen it over and over and over. Bolt, so like the first Bolt World record, Usain Bolt, sprinting to daylight. And then, you, you know, Otto says the race is running in a straight line, but the man has turned, turned the corner, turned the, ah, oh, man, sorry, Otto, messed up. <laughs> uh, like that, but that's such a short race. Like Van Niekerk's 400, he's in, he's in way out on the outside. And yeah, and he just I tortures mean, everybody. And you just wait for him to slow down, but it doesn't happen. You know, the 400 meter uh, hurdles. hurdles world record, you know, like that's, you know, where it's Benjamin's coming up on, you know, with 300 to go, they're basically even. And it looks like yeah. he's going for the pass, and then he, he's able to, you know, just get that extra thing. It's a one lap race, you know. Um, Trial stuff, your favorite race, Legat winning that 5K and I mean, that was incredible, yeah. And, and that's another one, though, the last lap. Like, I couldn't tell you anything about the earlier stages of that race, but... Yeah, and it's just a big, big Legat kick. I guess for it to be really memorable, something out of the ordinary has to happen. Someone has to fall. Because another one that sticks out, 2012 trials, women's 5K, Julia Lucas makes the big move from home with three to go, and then her body just shuts down. And she has this huge lead. Remember that? And then I think it was Julie Cully and, and Molly Huddle and Kim Conley. And Conley passes her like in the last stride. Yeah, collapses. it's like the very last. I do. I remember yeah. that very well, yeah. And the crowd was – they were cheering for Lucas because she was an OTC athlete. But also it was just so painful what they were seeing. And I remember the reaction of the crowd being different to that race than any other race. Oh, Eaton's um, f- 1500 when he set the world record. Mm, yeah. Cur- Curtis Beach moves to the outside wearing the Duke jersey and like waves him through so he can cross the line first. And then uh, Dr. Z, Frank Zarnowski, the master of the decathlon, yep. was, was commentating and was just doing just like a magnum opus like on the last lap, which is like doing the history of the decathlon while Eaton's running. And he's just like talking about so-and-so did the, you know, all the history of the guys. And now it's Ashton Eaton racing for the world record. Like had the As an announcer it, makes all the difference too. Yeah. Well, I was listening to it because it was – it was so loud, but he was like telling a story. He, if I'm remembering this right, he kind of like just put the race secondary and was like telling the like putting in because you knew Eaton was going to win the win the competition. It wasn't that it was Eaton versus the world record, and then it became clear Eaton was going to get the world record. So, and when Beach moved to the side, it made it even better. So then, this then it was just like he's putting this thing in context, which you could be a pretty big track fan and not be dialed into every little intricacy of the decathlon. Yeah, and I, I think p- people like me really a- appreciated it and really met the moment. So that was awesome. Part of you know, I was there for it too. Um, you know, like men's that one was it two thousand fifteen or thirteen. USA's 5K for the men where they went out in 521. Oh, I feel yeah. like that was awesome. It was, like, it was like eight guys in the field. Really great display of <laughs> the go-getter attitude. <laughs> oh, so bad. Yeah. There was a there was a Legat Garouge one where they close in 148 in the 15. I want to say too, which which was probably actually let me let me look that up. That was probably that had to have been 15, right? Um. Man. Can we get this? You have such a better memory about this stuff than I do. Three thirty. Well, this is pre-pod. Uh, Three thirty-four is what they ran. Does this have a description here? Um, 
yeah, this, this must have been it, unless it was a world champs that I'm confusing. Also, there's a lot of murkiness of like world championships of, or Olympics. So if you're just an Olympics person and you put that above everything else, it, like you'll remember the biggest of the big moments more. Kathy Freeman's 400 with all the light bulbs going off in Sydney. That was that was pretty crazy. Um, but that I probably watched on tape delay. Um, I got to watch more old track stuff on YouTube. I think this is what this is my, my issue. Yeah. I know. I'm feeling like I'm, I'm coming up short here. Yeah. We should make a list. Most memorable races. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure this was... Because I remember when... Um, I think it was Nick Willis tweeted after the Jakob, after the 1500 at the Olympics this past year, that was the best 1500 ever. And I was thinking, I don't think so. There had to have been a, a Garouge Lagat battle. And then I found one and I was like, oh yeah, this was way better. Because there's that last hundred where they're just like chest to chest the whole way down. Um, oh, the, see, I'm just naming good last laps now, which is yeah. not the, this was not the point, but the, the Turgot, this is, uh, this must be Sydney, right? Sydney or Atlanta, the Turgot versus Hailey G 10K, the last hundred is really cool because there there's a point when you're like, oh, they're not going to separate. They're just like – they're flat out. There's no other gears and they're like neck and neck. And yeah, I remember that, that one because that was early that was on in my – 2000, I think, right? Yeah. I mean it was either 2000 or 96. It was Turgot, Hailey Um, I remember thinking – Man, they ran ten thousand meters, and it came down to that. Because I was young, I didn't understand that they were kind of that you sort of just stay together for a while there. Right. But um, did Hailey win it in two thousand and ninety six? The ten k, he must have. Yeah, I think so. Let's see. Yeah. So let me see. Let me see. Ninety six Olympic Games, Atlanta. Was Turgot gold? Yes. Or sorry, Turgot was silver, and then 2000. He was probably silver in both of these, wasn't he? I'm actually pulling up the video right now in the final stretch here. Yeah, he was silver in both. I think it was the second one. He wins by .09 in 2000. Yeah, Haley's closing. It's wow. pretty good, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. good. <laughs> I do remember. Point- like, it's one of those I hadn't seen in a long time, but I was like, I need to watch this a little quick. Yeah, I mean, he's, you yeah. know, he's a stride and a half back coming down the final turn and is just able to... But for a moment, they're like locked in step. It's pretty cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, they get it, it. It like thirty to go. They're like dead, dead even. Yeah, yeah. Because ninety six, he wins by more than half a second, and that was cool too. Because of the the rematch, all those Garouge races were crazy because they build them up as this just huge, mongous pressure event. Because he had failed and and you know he had tripped and fallen, and then he gets beat by Noah Yen. So then when you get to two thousand four, I've said this before. Because the U.S. wasn't very good, Garouge was the one that was getting top billing on the broadcast, and the like fans tuning in were like, "Man, I just feel bad for this guy. The King of Morocco is 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 like is putting a lot of pressure on on Garouge. He thinks he let down his whole country. Like, I, I want this Garouge guy to win. This is nuts." And uh, and he came through, and then he got the double because Bekele said, "Hey, let's go tactical against the world record holder on the fifth. <laughs> it's the weirdest move, yeah, ever. Maybe, uh, yeah." Great question to open up the email segment. Let's keep it moving here. Um, Marshall still wants a Noah Lyles 200 pole vault double. He's got the schedule mm. here. It actually works between the heats and the semis. He says the men's 200 is loaded. So this is another opportunity. 
Uh, and he says, now I know what you're thinking, Marshall. Have you forgotten that Mondo is the greatest pole vaulter ever and literally vaulted out of the womb at birth? You're right, Mondo's the best. However, I think he's getting bored. No one is even close to him, and he needs someone to push him to new heights. Pun intended. Um, he also points out he's got the uh, – Lyle says the bye in the 200 to Worlds. Mm. So he can focus on the pole vault. It's I mean, that would be amazing. I, I, Yeah. That one would be – yeah, weird. Okay. This is Patricia, formerly of Boston. Don't know where she's currently from. Mm. I don't know if that's drink or not, but we'll say drink anyway. Yeah. Maybe currently from the metaverse? Mm. That's where we all are. Yep. New listener, new email. Well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for tuning in. You found the show. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. It didn't work, Luckily, Jason. it was not Spotify, probably, you're listening on, so good. <laughs> Uh, I want to get your take on the bizarre USATF selection for Eugene World Champs. I'm sorry it's a long email, but I have too much time on my hands. Extremely confused about what's going on. In the fall, they announced that the team would be the top 10 American Olympic finishers plus top American placers at New York, Chicago, Boston combined. They announced this after Boston and Chicago. Correct. This resulted in the women's team of Seidel Hall and Bates. And on January 6th, they all post on Instagram that they're accepting their spots. The men are much less active on social media, and I can't find any announcement. But based on the criteria, the team will be Rupp, Elkanah Cabet, and Colin McHow. Out of curiosity, I looked at what the teams would be for different selection options. World rankings, team would be the same, but on the men's side, it would depend on what ranking data you used. Rupp, Benny, and Hayer are the top three uh, on the one on the January 4th rank list, but on December 28th, it would have been Rupp, Abdirahman, and Hare. Best 2021 times, the women's team would have been Seidel, Bates, and Kellen Taylor. On the men's side, it's again more complicated, counting legal times. The team would be Rupp, Cabet, and Ben True, but if you include Boston and CIM, you get Rupp, Cabet, and Brendan Gregg. Best combined times, Hall D'Amato Bates, Rupp, Hayer, Drotty. Personally, I think any criteria that excludes Seidel and include the Marathon Project are probably bad, but if you do the Olympic top 10 placement plus combined 20, 20, 21 times, you get Seidel, Hall, and D'Amato, which post Houston looks like the dream team, so I could be convinced. Question for you, what should the criteria be? If you're picking the teams or if USATF did a black box selection like they do for the relays, who would it be? Who do you think is the most annoyed by this process? I would bet Abdurrahman and D'Amato, maybe Hayer if he's planning on get back to racing in the spring. Thanks for the podcast. That's Patricia. Okay, to answer the last question first, I, yeah, I think Hayer has to be upset. D'Amato certainly, although she got a shot in Chicago to actually beat those women. Yeah. What's weird is the imbalance between the Boston and the Chicago fields, especially yes. on the women's side. It was so much easier to place higher up in overall in Chicago than it was in Boston. So obviously anybody who's paid attention to marathoning for any bit of distance would tell you, well, fields aren't balanced. This is going to be weird. But if you announce it ahead of time and you say, okay, everybody can make their choice even though it's more complicated than that. Maybe you have a contract with a race. Right. That's one thing. But to announce it after... That's the biggest, just like, what? Like, yeah. This is stuff... This is why we make fun of federations. Like, just, what are you doing? Exactly. Like, what are your jobs Yeah. to do, right? If, so if, you, if part of your thing is we have to select the team. Yeah. You can't just do this. And we made fun of Athletics Kenya yes. terribly yeah. for this a few years ago. Like, yeah. Because they did it remember after they were the fact, a, and they they were going to have an Olympic trials. Remember, just randomly, yeah. and then they're like, "Wait, we're not having an Olympic trials." Yeah, like they were a total just disorganized mess. And this happens all the time. Like I don't, I truly don't understand. Like and I'm not saying it's the easiest thing, but if you just go in and say, "Hey, yeah, Boston, Chicago, whatever, what, what, make it 
whatever stipulations you want. As long as everyone knows the deal going in, yeah, they can adjust. And then at the end, they could go, well, man, it's it would have been nice to have D'Amato on the team. But she had her chance. But to go... And and to know you had your chance, like it doesn't count after the fact. Like you're always, of course, running your best. But like, yeah, if you know it's to make a team, that's just a different world. Like that becomes a priority if that's the team you want to be on. Here's what I think they should do, and here's what I think happened. First of all, interest normally isn't very high for the marathon, the World Championships, and they usually go descending order list. Or if there's a U.S. marathon champs, you put that person through sort of like with the world half or something oh whoever won the u.s 10 20k gets an automatic buy and then they can make these decisions more based on time or qualifying because the interest level is low i think this year they figured it's in eugene more people are going to want to do it right we need to field a, a good team but that's what the thing you, is you know it's going to be in eugene and i get the schedule yes, pushed yeah, back a yeah, year yeah yeah like, yeah. I know, no, I'm I know. not excusing it. I'm not excusing it. No, no, it. absolutely. But if anything, you got an additional year to figure this out because yeah. the Olympics got pushed back, so yeah. your world championships got pushed back. So if you go, you know what? Maybe maybe the solution is, hey, we're doing a, a January U.S. trials. Yes. Marath- yes. It, yeah. Okay, it's in between the fall and the spring. You could run, you know, it, if you want to run Boston, you can still run Boston. If you want to yeah. run, you know, New York, you can still run New York. This is right in the middle. Yeah. Anyone who wants to do it, but you announce it six months in advance or more, so people can at least adjust their schedules because marathon schedule is a big deal. Yeah. Then do that. Just have, have you know, if it's, and you're right. I mean, generally, you know, world champ team isn't a huge deal, but, you know, for a lot of Americans, it could because it's a chance to win a medal. It's, it's not a huge deal for an Elliot Kipchoge, but if you get a chance to make right. a world champs team and, and win a medal, which the women could, yeah. Then it then it kind of is. So I don't know if the answer is making a December January in a nice you know slightly warmer spot uh, U.S. trials or something. But mm-hmm. bottom line is get out that information as soon as possible. That's step one. I think having I'm not a big times person, and the place thing they was vary interesting. too much. Yes, obviously in a marathon it's all over the place. You can't do that. So. That's not going to be an accurate representation. If you're, if the goal is to pick the, the three best people, which it should be. Now, you could take – the place thing was kind of quirky and weird, but that's not equitable. Yeah. So why not, as you mentioned, have a trials race for it or just say we're doing it based on Boston results in April. And every time there's a world championships, the U.S. trials take place at the Boston Marathon. Yeah. So if you want to be on the team – Take the top three finishers from Boston who want to run. If someone doesn't want to run on the top three, pick, pick the next person. Fair. It's not that. It's not that complicated. Now, if you have, say, you're dead set on running London, that's fine. That's a choice you can make. But everybody knows the rules going in. Yeah. I think a bad. This is probably there's a bunch of counterexamples to prove this wrong. This is why I didn't go to law school. But I feel like a bad rule set ahead of time when everybody knows is worse than a good rule that's implemented halfway through. Because then by the very definition, it's not a good rule because it was implemented partway through. Yeah. It's, they, they kind of, I mean, they blew it in every conceivable way. The, the top finisher thing makes 
little to no sense just because fields aren't the same. I mean, times don't make sense because again, every yeah. marathon, you know, is, is different in that way. Honestly, I mean, at this point, yeah, they literally would have been better just going, hey, we'll decide the teams. We'll let but you know. Here's the, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think you're just doing a straight selection would – I hate that. I do too, but it's better than what they did. Yeah, you need to have a race to determine who the best people are if there's going to be a lot of interest in competing. There's not a lot of interest and you're having to go to the 10th, 15th, 20th person down. It's – I'd still would prefer a race, but it's not as high priority. The teams are fine. Here's the thing, though. They kind of lucked out because you get Seidel because they created the rule afterwards that she would that they would go because right. they created the top 10 in the Olympics. Rupp got eighth, right? Seidel got the bronze. Hall just set the American record in the half, and Bates ran out of her mind in Chicago. Now, you could say, and the one person who has the biggest gripe is D'Amato, but again, she was in Chicago. She had the opportunity to race them right. and didn't. Men's side, a little messier, but... Rupp is there. He's the main metal threat. Cabet ran fantastically in New York. That's fine. And then you have Mikau who gets in in Chicago, even though you know, some of the Boston guys pr- equivalently probably ran better just based on the quality of the field. But if you're telling me they got five out of the six right with this ass-backwards thing, that's, I guess, success. And we got them. lucky. Yeah, really. Yeah, but. they got lucky. But I think... Th- they got intentionally lucky because they created the system after right. some of the races t- took place, so they knew that they would get Rupp and Seidel. If they said, you need to be top five at the Olympics, okay, and then you have – well, I guess Rupp went on and got did well in Chicago, so he, he would have been on regardless. But, yeah, the simplest solution is the best one. Don't do this combination of this. Don't look at world ranking. Have a race and have them run, and if you do it in Boston where you get a big American crowd – of athletes that want to run there anyway, it just makes sense. And that's in April. And then, you know, three months later they run a marathon. I don't know. Maybe it's not the perfect amount of time for a turnaround because you're talking about running it in January. This would be running it in April. It'd what? be basically Houston. Like, I mean, that's the only thing, you know, I mean, unless you just set up a different, race. okay, fine. Run it, run it. Well, running Houston, that's harder, I guess, because it's not a world mar- marathon major, but yeah, I mean, is it, I mean, Sarah Hall would love two marathons, 12 weeks apart. That'd be like a break for her, right. but Maybe that's that. Maybe that's the hang-up. But then you have years like 2019 where the world championships were in freaking October. Yeah. So then it would have been fine. I just pick a – figure out how to have a race with everybody involved. If it's a major and they're going to get money, then it makes sense. If you're doing a one-off race where you're just basically saying this is the U.S. marathon championships, you're going to get less buy-in, but at least the process is going to be fair. And then people can call themselves the rightful. I mean, they have U.S. marathon champs right now, but it, no one is really paying attention to it because it's not promoted as much as like a trials type race would. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's. I think you're right. Boston, I think, is the best scenario. So Boston's your world, Boston's your world champ qualifier. You still have an Olympic trials for Olympics, and you have an off year. So the people who want who want to run other spring marathons can either do it in the off year or do it in the Olympic year. Um. And then the two world, you know, every other year for the world championships. If you want to, if you want to make the world championship team, you run Boston. And if it's in, like I said, if it's in a spot that you don't really care about and you're fine yeah, passing it, then you don't have to run it. Yeah. Pass it. If you don't want to run Boston, that's fine. But you've made that choice. Yeah. I'm looking at, so Boston this year, April 18th, marathon 
is on. Or you could even wrote. I mean, if if people are mad about that, you want to rotate it, then you can make it make it New York in the previous. Like if it was. Oh yeah. Running yeah, the yes, fall yes. in New York, and then it's for that next year. That's fine too. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing to me. All right. I can't seem to find when the. Oh, here it is. Men's marathon is July seventeenth. Women's marathon is July eighteenth. So. April 18th is Boston, so that's what exactly, yeah, exactly three, months three months away. And, and that's Prob- – people do that for Olympics and, and other stuff all the time. So, Yeah, it might be too tight. But then, yeah, take your idea. It's in New York then. That's fine. Not yeah, you, could adju- you could adjust it based on whatever you, yeah, whatever you want. But just let the athletes know. It seems reasonable. So that would, that would set up a situation where, okay, this one marathon is too close. The other one might be too far away. But that's infinitely better than – Having it in a race that you don't think people will show up for um, or not having a policy at all, which is what they opted for this time around. All right. Good email. Good best uh, debut email. It's really good debut. Good job, Patricia, formerly from Boston. Uh, Let's go back to Marshall. I hope you could please provide some insight into how indoor track altitude conversions are determining. After watching Nico Young blitz a 402.88 mile at 7,000 feet altitude, I thought, who are the powers that be that said it was the equivalent of a 354 mile? I understand the purpose given we had a myriad of number of indoor tracks, 300 meter oversized, 200 flat, 200 bank, 220 yard tracks, blah, 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 blah. Tracks on boats, he says. (laughs) And one needs to somehow equalize performances for purposes of qualifying times. Uh, What standard unit are we converting 200 meter banked? Yes, there's no conversion unless it, there's. So for this is all for like out for NCAA qualifying purposes. Nico Young ran a 402. I don't think if you ask Nico Young what's your PB, he's going to say 354. <laughs> right now, do I believe in those conversions? I think they're pretty dang close. Relatively, yeah, past. I think they're close yeah. enough. So if Nico was in the mile this weekend instead of the 3K and he ran 354, I don't think anybody should be surprised. Um, so yeah, 200 banked is the conversion uh, is the standard. Whatever he's saying. Who was the first person who decided that not all tracks were created equal for indoor racing? Arthur Track is the answer. Uh, who developed the <laughs> conversion factors? Uh, NASA. No, I don't know. Um, have they ever been adjusted? Um, have they made it for super spikes? No. Um, he says, fun fact, after Portland hosted the Indoor World Championships a few years ago, University of Iowa purchased the track and moved it to Iowa City. I'm sure I, uh, Joey Woody, Iowa head coach, has had the following conversation 100 plus times. And here's our indoor track, which was used at the Indoor World Championships. Recruit. Iowa City hosted the World Indoor Championships? Coach. No, Portland hosted. Recruit. But you just said this was the track used at the Indoor World Championships. Coach. Correct. They used the track in Portland. Then we bought it and shipped it here. Recruit. With that mind, look on his face. Like Amazon Prime delivered it? Coach. <laughs> um, sure, kid. Let me show you our 24 national team championships earned by Hawkeye Wrestling. <laughs> P.S. The best sporting event to watch on Friday – January 28th will be number one Penn State versus number two Iowa in a head-to-head duel. I'm not wrestling. Come on, Marshall. No. Come on. No more wrestling here. Yeah, they the the conversions have been around um, for a long time in terms of altitude, banked, flat. You get some crazy ones. Like if you're on a 200-meter flat track at altitude, so you get the altitude conversion and then the flat track conversion. Mm-hmm. People's times drop a ton, but but I think the point is that it's just used for seating purposes because NCAA indoor season, not every school has access to run as many meets on a 200 meter banked track, or maybe they're overly reliant on a 300 meter flat track, and you want to make that fair. That's the that's the purpose of it. 
yeah, in general, you know, indoors, indoors weird because, like I said, there's just so many different options. So, and there's not that many indoor races. So it's like outdoors. Yeah. It's like you're you could find a 400 meter flat track to run outdoors pretty much no matter where you're at. It's not yeah. not a big issue. Altitude comes into play, but you know most other stuff are is pretty equal. Indoors, you you have to need it. As far as I am curious, I I don't know the history of it or what goes into those calculations. If it's based on like performances in races or is yeah. it just scientific calculations of what this should affect? I honestly don't know. Um, and as far as they, if they've been tweaked, that's a it's a good question. Uh, but like I said, I agree. I think they're. I'm sure they're not perfect because that's impossible. But I'm sure they're. I, I feel like they're pretty good. So I mean, they. Had, I'm looking at this document. This is from this is 07. This is converting track size right so it's like undersized to banked oversized distance mandated relay you convert it 0.9798 right so it's i mean there's some somewhat small but in this document oh this is 2012 excuse me but they basically they basically say um in 2007 the collection of results from NCAA indoor track competitions became more automated allow for performance for an entire season to be analyzed the mandatory reporting of results started in 2010 um and then it just talks about how there was a definite linear relationship between facility types. Then they comb through all the data. Um, so now they have this formula. Um, it says on here that the methods used over the years to determine the conversion differentials have been based on limited personal experience, real-time conversion results, and a limited amount of data. The conversions based mainly on conjecture were adjusted yearly within each divisional NCAA track and field committee. So now it's basically saying, hey, we're going to create this this chart here and i'm looking at it right now the altitude ones are different but i think it's along the same lines but i just i don't think athletes use those as their prs i think that's important no, no definitely not and it's great i think like, you i think you throw out like hey i ran 402 it was at altitude maybe you th- maybe you just throw that in there as a yeah fun people, fact but you don't yeah the the Non-track people aren't going to understand, but they're not going to understand anything. They're going to make 402. Wow, you broke the world record. So it's just it's going to be difficult. Or, to- oh, I knew a kid in uh, middle school who ran that. <laughs> so you set the field day record too. That's incredible. <laughs> let's go. Speaking of, let's see. We got is it two more here? Yeah, two more. Sorry. Speaking of records, here we go. This is from Charles. High school records. The NorCal school I coach at has a 417 boys 1600-meter record. We just uncovered a 412.8-mile time run in 1960, which happens to have been the fourth fastest by a high schooler at the time, according to a news clipping. The time was run a week after the California State meet, but five days before graduation and while wearing the school singlet. Should it become our new record? Evidently, the coach at the time didn't think so. How about records run in meets after graduation but before college all right so he asked a great this is a great question he's got a couple questions here first of all there's a question of all right the mile time is faster than the 1600 should it just just on the time it, but it wasn't a 1600 should that count i say absolutely yes in that case because they ran nine more meters so if you ran a 412.8 mile that's faster than a 417 1600 obviously what do you think though about the fact that it was run after the state meet, but five days before graduation. It was before graduation. You're a high school kid. That's, I think that's so is that it. the cutoff. I, what to me, I guess it's, a... it's, yeah, to me, it's graduation. Um, I know there's some rules. I think it wasn't Nevada where you have to run the state records are all at the state meet. 
Yeah, that was. I think that's, that's a really state dumb. meat record. I think yeah, that's, that's really that, dumb. That makes no that's sense. That's a meat but, record. That's not a state record. But it's the same thing with NCAA stuff. So a college athlete, is it when they sign a pro deal? Because a lot of them are going to over to Europe and running in these in these meets post college. Um, does that does that count? Right, like if they're a junior, but and then they sign three months later, do those times count? I don't like the graduation thing because everybody has different graduation dates. But I think most people are done with high school by like June 30th, correct? Yeah, I think that's – yeah, most of the time it's you know early to mid-June, I think. So I would just standardize it there. End of June? Just end of June. That's fair. And So this would still qualify. Yeah, and you wouldn't be in another you, – I mean, you could run in whatever single you want. That doesn't really – matter to me it's the thing with arian knighton does it are arian knighton's times are they high school records he's a pro now but he's in high school yeah they should be yeah so is it based on age or is it based on where who you compete for and whose jersey you're wearing yeah i mean if you know if you leave high school early obviously that's a different thing because you're not a high school student anymore um but i feel like so it's an academic thing for you if they're like enrolled in high school yeah i think so Okay, so even though he's not doing a high school, he's com- not competing for his high school team. Yeah, I mean, like, because it's like, okay. Because so you do just... the thing with college then, right? The co- Like, Cole Hawker isn't going to be able to set college records anymore. But he's, like, if he was in, if or any any high school, or any college athlete. So it's kind of weird. It's Those two things are different, high school versus college. It is tough to, to find that differentiate. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, people go pro in college, but they might still attend classes. But they're no longer affiliated with the university from their running. Yeah. And that's the same thing I'm saying with a high school runner who goes pro. They're no longer affiliated with their high school, but they're still running. Right. right. Cause Knighton was, Knighton was a junior last year, right? He's... Yes, I think so. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> so does he, so like, should those be high school records? It's a good question. I still yeah, think I yes, but I don't know if I have the, if I can back that up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't because when you bring college into it, it makes it more complicated. Because if a high school runner runs a full high school season, then goes on, you know, they're a sophomore. Like, actually, that'd be interesting. Is does Sydney like is like when Sydney like ran the Olympics? Did that when she was still in high school? Did that was that the mark to be right. like the Olympic trials? Like, or did that not count? Like, she wasn't pro yet. She wasn't even college yet. Yeah, it's a weird distinction. Let me look up high school records. Here we go. Um, but I like picking a date and having it, having that be the cutoff. Um, so what do you think about the high school thing, though? If you're a high school kid, but you're competing at a pro level, are you are you no longer eligible? Yeah, I mean that's not his. Because then we're yeah, just immediately not... we're just eliminating all of the best high school. <laughs> runners yeah you're based but in the same way you're eliminating a, the best of the college age runners that's what i'm saying are you already so this is where the european sort of thing makes sense even though um even though i understand why americans like the high school stuff because it's just like well yeah do u18 u20 like why is this it does make more sense yeah why is this complicated all right track and field news let's see if they have an explainer um they don't have an explainer i'm just trying to look at this made me think of his his email made me think of my old school in northern california san ramon valley high school because i was like oh that's like pretty close to what the 
there was this really old record. Wait, does he coach at your old high school? No, no, no. It's a different one. But it's at Santa Monica Valley. There was this. I remember we had up in the up in the gym and in the locker room. They had the the track and field records. They had in the locker room. They had just the record for each sport. In the gym, they had the top ten all time for each mm-hmm. event. And number one for the longest time was from 1975, and it was Roy Kissen. And in 75, he ran 415 and 853. And they miscounted the laps. <laughs> he was he was pretty ridiculous. What jersey um, was he wearing? I think it was San Ramon Valley High School at that time. He ended up going to Stanford. All right, so I got Sydney's marks here. So, first of all, in the four-minute hurdles, she has the top seven performances ever so the high school you know record what? she should <laughs> right the, like it would be really dumb if some random person we hadn't heard of who ran four seconds slower has the high school record okay so the high school record in the women according to track field news in the girls formula hurdles is 5382 from 2017 that she ran um at u.s champs so they're counting they're counting that. They're counting. So, and then her Olympic performances are on here as well. Um, but like, you go to the two hundred for the men, just because I'm thinking of Aaron Knighton. What was nineteen eighty four? Is that correct? Yeah. The record is twenty oh nine by Noah Lyles. So I, I really do think when they, if they say they're pro, yeah, I just don't like that. But yeah, I mean, because you could not declare your like, do they? You just never say that you're pro. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's just like it's a stupid mistake. It's like, hey, I'm I high school kid who I I went I, I went pro because I'm too good at this. Yeah. So I'm no longer eligible. At, like it seems kind of dumb. That's why U18 actually just makes way more sense. Well, U8, yeah, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at U20 right now. Knighton, 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 Knighton. Lyles's 20:09 is is behind six Aaron Knighton times. That's that's insane, and we know how good Lyles was young, so that's even crazier. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't because the high school thing makes sense to count it, but then if you use the same logic to college, then I would say, well, of course not, because Sydney McLaughlin could still be enrolled at Kentucky right now, and does that count? Like, yeah, but if you're, I mean, could be is is a different thing. But if you actually, I mean, if you're a high school kid, like because college is like this, like you decide if you go or not, right? Like you you don't have to go to college. Yeah. Like you're going to high school, and obviously, yeah, there's other you know homeschool, or whatever. But like, I, I, college college to me is a completely different thing because yeah. it's like lots of people go to high, college for one year and leave, and it's not because they made the Olympics. I feel like if it just it makes common sense if someone said who's the best high school 200 meter of all time runner on boy side, who would you say? Yeah, Aaron Knight. And if I and I if I asked you, like, who's the best? Well, this wouldn't work because Sydney's the best for both. But basically, like, if you ask the same thing in college, you you would not associate it with, oh, but they were enrolled in college. Yeah, no, it, maybe because it, it, it's it, not it does as feel common. different. It's not as common, right? There's yeah, a- and I get it's just like it's there's not really like I don't have a great reason behind it. It just it's not the same to me. <laughs> like I don't know how many athletes have gone. I guess it's just a quantity thing. How many athletes have gone pro in high school? Not after high school, but in high school. Yeah, it's because Felix went. You know, after she graduated, goes pro, right? Right. Um, Drew Hunter, after. Uh, a lot of people go pro after their freshman year. But like, how many people in 
high school are actually doing that. So it's such a I think that's the that's the difference. And it's like the, the cutoff between like kids and adults. Yeah. Right? Like I mean it's like yeah. college I, like you can choose to go to a, you know to do that like you're presumably mm-hmm. over 18 like there's just like different factors at play where it's like high school like yeah you're you know when you're a kid you're a teenager you go to high school like that's, yeah. that's like kind of what everybody does so it just feels more like it makes more sense so for charles's point to charles's point here um five days after state meet but five days before graduation while we're in school single yes i would count it me too um and then records run in meets after graduation but before college i think you'd have to set a a cutoff yeah so i think for, you're i think you're a free agent at that point i don't think you can set high school records you graduate yeah. high school okay so you're saying no yeah i think you grad like once you graduate high school but I, you're, but you're like, not in high school anymore but i'm worried about states now this is different california is usually one of the last states to actually i don't know this i don't know why i'm saying like i know every state's <laughs> graduation procedure but um because if there's an all say there's an all-star type meet Right, uh, New Balance Nationals or whatever, that's a week after graduation, and for some states, and then for other states, it's a week before graduation. Right. I just don't want that to be. Yeah, if it, I mean, I guess if the, if the if the meet is literally called like the high school championships of some <laughs> sort, like I might give a pass on that. But for right now, or, I'm going to say you graduate from high school. That means you li- like by definition, you literally aren't in high school anymore. But okay, but Web at pre. High school wasn't in the name. Yeah. Runs runs three fifty. But he was in high school. Yeah, but when did they graduate that year? Who knows when South Lakes, Virginia graduated? In, I mean, pre classics uh, in May, right? So Yeah, I don't know. Maybe There's no way he graduated from high school before that point. Zero chance. Alright, what if you only are taking three classes because that's all you need to graduate and your school has early dismissal and you and your friends meet at ten ten because that's how early you get out and you go to Taco Bell every day and then go back to track practice. Yes, then you are absolutely eligible. Okay, good. and I can say that with some certainty because so wh- I feel like I lived it. So Webb's, I mean, his high school meets aren't on Tilstapia, so I don't know if he had. I'm assuming he had state before this man, but maybe he didn't graduate yet. I, I I'm calling it a June 30th. Do whatever you want before June 30th, and I, I'm not against that necessarily. But if you want to go to Europe for a week <laughs> and run in. Some European meets to try to get a high school record before June thirtieth. I think I think that's fair game because I just I don't want to set graduation because there are so many pro meets or not pro meets. There are so many championship and all star type meets that are oriented around high schools. So I'm not even talking about the pre classics of the world, but I'm talking about meets that should be that are available to high school kids that should count for high school records because it's a high school only field that could happen after graduation or right around graduation. So that's why I just say, hey, let's just do June thirtieth. Call it good. After that, yeah, free agent. You're on your own. I'm fine with that. Boom. Decided. Done. Charles, if you're coaching at San Ramon Valley High School, <laughs> let us know. Uh, South Lakes High School, where, where Webb went, they graduate on June 2nd this year. So I don't know what happened 20 years ago. Well, but... type up. Hold on. South South Lakes. You can't get the graduation date for 20. 20- I don't know. I figured they wouldn't even have that. But... South Lakes, Virginia High School. 2001. This is good stuff. Creation. Date. Let's see. Um, home of the Seahawks. You're right. This is hard to find. Yeah. I just didn't think that it's not really an important piece of information, usually, unless you don't remember what date we graduated from high school? Uh, June something. I just remember we got, I got food poisoning at Outback Steakhouse and my stomach hurt the entire <laughs> ceremony. 
And you and I did not hang out. After. Nope. I don't know why. Yeah, me neither. I don't think but, I did anything. Well, I, well, never mind. We can talk about this off pod. <laughs> I was not having fun. Well, partly because my stomach was torn that's up. That's a good but point. Yeah, yeah, you're sick. So that's. I went. Mean, there was some crazy party that I was like not comfortable at. So I don't know why we didn't. Well, we didn't have cell phones back then. So it's like if you laughed, you're like, all right, well, I guess I'm not seeing this guy. Yep, well. <laughs> Wait, did we have. No, I got my first cell phone my freshman year of college. So I did not have a cell Me phone. Me too. Yep. Man, think how much more time we could have hung out together, <laughs> right? Jason, come pick me up from this party. I'm not fitting in. Nope, couldn't do that. <laughs> well, I that's when we would just randomly, we would have just long, uh, you'd be in Oregon, I was in Vegas, and we would just talk randomly. Uh, I think that was on our cell phones, and it yeah. would just, yeah, catch up. But like in high school, we had no way of getting a hold of it. If you weren't home and I was home, and I am like, called your house line, it's like, just be like, nope, he's not here. Well, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Calling it a night. It seems like we're 100 years old. It's yeah, that does, yeah, that does seem very antiquated in terms of a way to to connect with people it's like the thing that people talk about airport pickups how did airport pickups happen oh my god before phones it's like you just kind of got there and just waited waited (laughs) that's what you did listen to the old radio we got from from we got one from luke excuse me that we'll do next week about i want to see blank run blank so we'll talk about that one next week when we recap milrose but send in more messages house of run at gmail.com sure did enjoy reading everything uh, if you haven't subscribed to the pod, do that. Tell a friend. Uh, it should be easier to find the show now. If you have problems, um, let me know. Yeah. Uh, if you have a chance, got some time, go over to the YouTube page for Flow Track, where I posted the third episode of This Week in Track. Post those every single Monday. So give it a give it a like or a subscribe over there as well, too. I would sure appreciate you watching the video. It's six, seven minutes this time. It's longer. I don't know why it got to be longer. Trying to make jokes about four by fours is really hard, and sometimes it was just... good. Also, I, I like it. I, I'm going to watch it every week. I, I really enjoy it. Also, a little, um, a little behind the scenes. The my iPhone rebelled on me, and I was using that to record. So the first four takes, for some reason, it switched to slow mo midway through. So when I played it back, I was like, and let's talk about the indoor. And I could not figure out what was wrong on my phone. Weird. So the, the thing that you're seeing is like my fifth try on it. And I got worse, not better somehow. But anyway, thank you for watching it, Jason. I hope everybody else checks yeah, it out. Yeah, like well I said, too. it is really good. I, I highly recommend it. It's just a, it's a quick video. You knock it out, no problem. It's literally more than 90 minutes shorter than this. <laughs> yeah, I talk about that Siberia marathon in negative 53 degrees Celsius. And I, yeah. threw a, I threw a, it's a dry negative 53 joke <laughs> for you, Jason. I love it. All right, talk to you guys next week. Jessica Ennis, Grayson Allen is a bum and a dirty player. (laughs) 